Hi, and welcome to episode seven of the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host and amazing internationally recognized concert saxophonist, Dr. Susan Fancher, and we chat about the low end of the saxophone this week, intonation response issues, Sue shares one of her all-time favorite jazz recordings, and we talk about recruiting for your own private studio and how to give a great masterclass. And if you have a question for the podcast, please do reach out to us on social media, or you can email me directly, wally at gatecitysax.com. We're, we're recording now. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can cut that out. No, right? that's oh, not going no. out. Sue, happy Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday. Happy hump day. Or happy whatever the day of the week it is to our listener. Yes, because so it'll be a different day. If you're listening on a Thursday, happy Thursday. Exactly. Friday. TGIF. Or get a life. You should do something other than listen to a saxophone podcast <laughs> oh, whoops, on Friday. Oh, I didn't think. Oh, yeah, come yeah. on. Oh, I'm kidding. There's nothing I'd rather do. <laughs> You're right. If assuming, it comes out on a Friday, I'm going to listen, Yeah, Wally. assuming my sock drawer is in order. <laughs> How's your week been? What's new in the saxophone world? Uh, Semester is wrapping woo. up. It is. Holy cow. This week's been a whirlwind. So I was in New York this weekend, which is oh, always yeah? fun. I love to be in New York. So Fred Ramey, the cellist, had a private uh, loft concert at his cousin's place in Tribeca and he asked me to go along and play a couple of pieces together a couple of pieces we played on his recital last year so that was fun I got to zip off to New York on I think I went Saturday and came home on Monday (laughs) oh geez did you fly yeah okay have you ever taken there's a train that goes I guess, yeah. yeah. I've never taken the train in I've New York. I've heard good things. You I'll bet it's fun. Bring your laptop, you got take the time. a nap. Yeah. yeah, I love train travel, yeah. actually. That's well, as, probably the as best. As musician parents, we have lots of time. Yeah. yeah just <laughs> ooze. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. That went well. And then uh, the Red Clay Saxophone Quartet played a little gig Monday night at the Pegram Dorm at Duke. So that was on the heels of the New York trip. And then yesterday, I taught my lovely Duke students for Aww. the last time this semester all day and went to the chamber music concert last night. So, woo. And now you can breathe. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this is the I first time they, I sat still. I they lavished you with gifts being the last, you oh. know, they prostrated themselves and, yeah. and, and gave you. I got to work on that training. Yeah. I will t- <laughs> As a band director, it was always good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times. A, a lot of good loot. Yeah. I mean, I sold it all yeah. on eBay immediately. Oh, no, I did. <laughs> yeah. Just immediately on eBay. The candy, everything. And I just, and then I'd buy something I actually wanted, you know? Funny. What do you got coming up? What are you practicing right now? Oh, gosh. I am practicing for this recital that I'm doing next week in Chengdu, Sichuan. Oh, right. China. And when do you fly out? Friday morning, bright and early. Okay. So it's Wednesday, right? Oh, well, like, sorry. I got to go and practice, so yeah. I can't right. be here. <laughs> well, this has oh, been wait, episode wait. seven of the Sex One <laughs> yeah, podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. You know, I think the, I can take the hour. If, I can, if one hour would make the difference between being able to play this stuff and not being able to play it, then right. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm going to play, what am I going to play on this program? Let's see, I'm going to play a little Via Lobos. Oh, nice. And I'm going to play Hilary Tan's solo piece, Wind Hover, and a movement from Mark Engelbretson's soprano sax concerto with piano in the piano version. What else am I playing? Then I'm playing second Wait, half of the Concerto pro- for yeah. saxophone and piano, piano well, version. It's, well, it's concerto for soprano sax with either orchestra or band, but oh, this is the, the piano the reduction. reduction. Yeah, oh, like- got it. Okay. And then I'm going to play Intermission. That's my favorite piece because I never miss a note. <laughs> and then I'm going to play. I'm good at Intermission. I'm really good at yeah. Intermission. And Cancellation. I'm really good at that one as well. I rock me some Cancellation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to play a movement, of a prelude from Bach that was arranged oh, nice. by Dave Camwell for two alto saxophones and piano. And oh, who's the other saxophonist? Mei Song. Who's Are there? you telling me you did not buy me a plane ticket to come to China uh, just to do this one thing with you? 
Actually, that would have been fun. We could have taken it on the road. For a Wally. few thousand dollars is all it would talk. I know, town. right? So I love that. I, I listened to a recording of, uh, of Dave. I'll put a link in the show notes because it's okay. good. Of Dave Camwell. Super great guy. He's a great guy. And he um, did this beautiful arrangement for yeah. two alto saxophones and piano because he thought that rightly that we need more music for two saxophones yeah. and piano because there's lots of us who like to get out there yeah. and play concerts it's together. It's a very interesting arrangement. Yeah, it's great. Um, where it's that prelude, but then he also kind of rearranged it. Uh, who was it? Schumann that did the... So Schumann wrote a piano part for the right. solo violin partita. I think several of them, right? Uh, he wrote... But anyway, this is... Uh, B, I always want to say BMW, but it's not B, BWV yeah. <laughs> 1006 by Bach. And it's the, the prelude from the partita. So Schumann wrote a piano part uh -huh. for the original violin solo yeah. piece. And then I think Dave made an arrangement or a transcription so you can do that With for saxophone and piano. And two altos. And then yeah. he also made it for two altos and piano, which is a lot easier because you can you split up the yeah, part with the other altos. Yeah, and he's, it was a great yeah. video of him doing it with uh, Julian Nolan, Canadian oh, yeah. saxophonist, and they sound yeah. dynamite. Dave is one of those guys that um, an annoys me. Just his face. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, it annoys me in the fact that he's a very fine concert saxophonist. He is. He's a very fine chamber musician, plays yeah. in the, was the Oasis Quartet? He's, he, I'll dub that in later. Well, yeah, yeah, it was, he was. I saw him yes, in a great quartet for years and years, and he's also a very fine jazz player. He is, yeah, in fact, and he's yeah. a little too tall for my taste, if I'm he's honest. He's very tall. So, yeah. uh, like all in all, he's just kind of annoys me. But yeah, great dude, great that, jazz yeah. player, great classical player. But so. we recorded um, this Bach and another Bach and a. A concerto by Vivaldi, all his arrangements that, that will come out on a CD sometime next year. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. So that's okay. Cool. He's gone up a little bit in my book. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that. He seems like a really cool guy. Yeah. So anyway. That's coming. China's coming up. China's Just coming up. A little bit of China. Yeah. yeah. Professor Guo at the conservatory wrote a piece for alto sax and piano. I'm going to play two movements of is, it. Is, wait, wait, wait. Is that the one with the trill? It is. Okay. I replaced the trill. I want to see that live streamed. Trill. Okay, yeah. good. good, good, good. <laughs> it's a secret. And yeah. then, then I'm going to play Scary Moose by uh, Darius Mio. <laughs> Excellent. I, I do I do like that piece. Yeah, I do too. Well, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to we'll be fun. We'll take lots of pictures while you're there. Okay. And we'll we'll, we'll show it to the oh, listeners fun. of what okay. life like an international concert saxophonist looks like. Woo. So take pictures of your shoes in an airport. Yeah, a exactly. A coffee, a Starbucks in Beijing, I assume. Yeah, the 12-hour the time difference with the, the dark circles under my eyes. I'll take that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be awesome. <laughs> All the good food, though. Yay. Oh, that'll be good. I'm excited about yeah. that. So anyway, after that, I'm going to take a break. Yeah, yeah, you deserve it. Oof. Well, keep us updated. Yeah, I will. Well, Thanks. <laughs> there's exciting things in the world. that You've right? shown me something exciting here. Yes, Okay, so industry news. Number one, I have to start, I have to lead um, with an apology. Uh-oh. Yeah, I haven't told you about this. So last week we talked about neck straps, and I admit I was I was pretty harsh. You were pretty harsh, yeah. I was pretty harsh. I was really honest about uh, the, the aesthetics of some of these these neck straps. And I, I, I really dug into the, um, I think it's called the sax holder uh, neck strap system. Yeah. And I said, and I said it looked like the exos, exoskeleton from the movie <laughs> Aliens. And here's what I said. I said it looked like Ridley's exoskeleton <laughs> from the movie Aliens. And here's where I'm really sorry. It's Ripley. Oh. Uh, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver played the character called Ripley. I incorrectly said Ridley. No, this neck strap looks like the exoskeleton <laughs> that Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, wore when she fought the giant mother alien. So I just want to apologize to our listeners. This horrible-looking neck strap 
<laughs> I got the I got the character wrong in the movie that I was using to make fun of it. Oh my god! So that's Wally, a correction. It's like hashtag no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. You Life are is too short, and I make too I little money. I do know people who wear that funny looking neck strap. Yeah, or whatever. It's not. It's not really a strap. No, and they I, love it. So yeah. just saying, but it does look weird. Yeah, and our our uh, my old jazz mentor um, and our g- friend Chad Eby. Does he use one? Director of the Miles Davis Jazz Studies yeah. program. He uses one, I and mean, he's oh, like yeah. an old man. He's falling apart. Like <laughs> when. When he stands up, it sounds like a percussion ensemble. So he needs it, you know, and like, and it's helped with his pain and stuff like that. Well, then great. Yeah. And then he can fight aliens on the mothership. That's awesome. While he's wearing it with flashing lights. Yeah, yeah. I'll link, I'll link that scene in the show notes so you can see what the next trip looks like. Cool. So I'm glad we cleared that up, Wally. Other cool things. I have recently become a subscriber to the saxophonist.org, which is an online magazine. Um, which they do everything from player interviews, product reviews. They talk about craftsmen, um, new pieces coming out, recording reviews, like a lot of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. Uh, and Paul Har, Dr. Paul Har, uh, who I believe teaches in Oklahoma. Right. Uh, great guy from a couple little messages. I just let him know that I liked it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do like more of an in-depth thing, but I just want to give listeners a head up. I'll put a link in the show notes. I've been really impressed. It is cheap. It's like $15 for an annual subscription. Oh, wow. That's uh, or a something. total deal. Yeah, total deal. And it's the amount of time and effort and thought he puts into this. So this isn't a full review. It, I just want to give listeners a head up that. Uh, yeah. Check it out. A little shout um, out. For yeah. the amount of work he puts into this, it's it's a very good value. And I will say, two months ago, there was an interview with Donald Senta. It's a video interview oh. as part of the, the magazine. And there's I'm, I'm not always a fan of interviews, but... Paul asks really good questions and really right. kind of hard-hitting questions regarding the you know the profession and things like that. And I think that alone was worth my price. So I'm really yeah. glad I bought it, and I'll give more updates as, as time goes on, but I'll put a link in the show notes. So I've been enjoying that. Great, yeah. You've come across something cool as well. Oh, yeah. What is it? It is a double saxophone case. Oh. I don't know if this is a new thing, but it's Wait a, a soprano alto case. You can but put. which is it? Is it a soprano know, or an alto right. case? It's... A soprano and an alto case. I don't together. understand. I know, right? So Need you know all those all those gigs you go to. A lot of us are schlepping along. <laughs> yeah. And alto sax. Every time when I go to teach at Duke, I'm taking my alto sax and my soprano sax separate cases, plus my bag that has my computer in it, plus yeah. my lunchbox. Yada yada yada. Yeah. You know, I look like. I don't know what I look like walking from my car to the, the creature from the, the movie Labyrinth. I'll put people, a link in the show notes. I think they're pitying me yeah. greatly because I just look like I have bags hanging all well, over the place. Well, that's going to cause stress and tension, and then you're going to need a, a sax holder next strap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. So anyway, I was asking some friends for recommendations on those those double cases because I've right. tried out some of them at some of the saxophone conferences, and they're they're big mm. and they're heavy, and I'm like, well, how am I going to get that in an overhead? And if I can't get it in an overhead compartment, then they're going to make me check it. And then it's got two saxophones oh, in yeah. it. So um, Taiki Azuma mm-hmm. told me about this double case that he has that even fit in the overhead compartment on a, like a 12-person flight. He might have been exaggerating on the 12-person, but I think it was a pretty well, little I've been plane. on a plane with like two, two people. Oh. Well, I mean, there were empty seats, but like, <laughs> yeah, I can totally believe a 12-person plane. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the overheads can be pretty tiny, but this is called Marcus Bana, I guess is how you say it. Um, it's an alto slash soprano double case. Um, I'm going to check it out. It looks like it's really light okay. and fits in like small overheads. The only thing is the price I found online was $475. So it's a little pricey, but if you yeah. consider that 
it's just going to save you tons of, you know, trouble schlepping along two cases. And, you know, if you play a lot of soprano and alto gigs like I do, right. it's totally good. And a lot of classical it. players do carry, it just seems to be part yeah. of the course. Um, well, and a lot of single cases cost that much. So it's not really that bad. And it right. looks fantastic. So. Okay. I was. Yeah, and and, and uh, Taiki felt like it was pretty good protection. Yeah, yeah, he felt like the the horns were. Well, well here's protected. the thing: if it, if it fits in the overhead, that's already way better protection than anything that could go under the plane. Exactly. <laughs> if it goes under the plane, you're you might as well yeah. get a new instrument. Yeah, all bets um, are off. Yeah, yeah. I once all bets are off. Flew a tenor to Montreux, Switzerland. Ah. And um, you checked some it. Some of the parts. Well, I was I was young in college, and it's just kind of what we did. Yeah. The whole jazz ensemble, we just kind of threw our. And yeah, when I got there, it was. Um, yeah. Some of the keys worked. <laughs> oh gosh! So yeah, Marcus Bona. CGM Blues. It, I'm imagining time. this company <laughs> without the fifth. Just da 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 da. That's a hard sell to the director. Like we're changing the program. <laughs> so looking at this uh, Marcus Bona case, it does. It looks like pretty cool design. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing this company originally made horn products, being that there's a horn in the logo right <laughs> um, like a french horn or just natural horn, whatever they call the horn now so originally the picture you sent me i was going to make fun of because it's in this blue and yellow and yeah. i thought like this is great if you go to the university of michigan or east calaweda high school buy one because it matches Sweden. or oh, the, it, swedish, swedish flag. flag okay it does it's yellow and yeah, it does blue. um yeah. i don't know if it's the right shape you know, but apparently you can also get it in uh crocodile leather or there's like uh one two three four five six seven different leather colors you can get it wow um and cool. all sorts of beautiful, rich leathers. Ooh. So your saxophone will smell luxurious. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is neat. Well, let's put a link in the show notes. Yeah. And cool. so if you need a case that carries not just an alto. Not just, not a, just soprano. a soprano. But a alto and soprano double case. Yes. And I know what you mean. I've seen um, the old Selmer one, and I knew someone that had the old Yamaha hard case that would fit an 875, which those things are heavy instruments. I yeah. love Yamaha's. The 875, even the EX, it's not a light instrument. No. And this was like that brown suitcase. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Both. yeah. And that it's was heavy. very heavy. Yeah, and then it's big. Like, I'm not sure it'll go in the overhead. And if it doesn't oh, fit in the not. overhead, you know the flight attendant's going to yeah. take it. Yeah, and even if, it, well, I'm not sure something. it would fit in most rental cars. This thing was <laughs> huge. So yeah, this looks like a pretty cool option. Um, and yeah. I, we do know, especially classical players. Yeah. Um, I actually, I know a lot of jazz players that always need a, a soprano as well. Yeah. Um, the doubling and the big band stuff. Yeah. Well, that looks cool. It's funny you mentioned that with the doubling. At this concert last night, a person came up, a guy came up to me after the concert, and he said, can you explain to me why in jazz, um, usually it's the tenor saxophone players who also play soprano? And I said to him, oh, yeah, that happens a lot, doesn't it? I said, well, it's because they're both B-flat instruments, so, yeah. you know, you're learning the same changes. And then I thought later... Well, but a lot of alto players also play soprano, but that's a little dicier, right? To go from the E flat instrument to the B yeah. flat instrument. But so it was funny you mentioned that that we need a tenor soprano case too. Then now, so yeah. maybe Marcus Bona has to get on that if they haven't already. We'll write him a strongly worded yes, letter, exactly, dear Marcus Bona. <laughs> unless that's just the name of a company. Yeah, not a person. <laughs> dear Marcus, whatever your last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well, that looks cool. We'll put a link in the show notes. Other cool stuff I've been trying, which I'll have more in depth in the coming weeks. I've been trying the new uh, Daddario classical saxophone mouthpiece. Ah, how is it? Uh, you talk about it later? Yeah. Jury's um, still out? It's just that there's so much under the... Once you get below $200, yeah. there's so many good mouthpieces. There are. And I'm just not sure... I'm trying to be thoughtful about this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put some sound clips into a more in-depth review. I don't know what the argument is of why this needs to exist. 
Um, I see. Because the thing is, like, the AL3 exists. Yeah. The, uh, the C-Star exists. The concepts, yeah. you know, exist. This, these All great summer. Pieces, yeah. And so it's kind of like, if you're going to assert yourself into the, into the market, I kind of feel like, well, what's your argument? Or is it right. different? And I'm not sure I found it yet, but I'm going to keep okay, looking. So, keep but looking. if you're a listener and you really love this mouthpiece, let us know what you like about it. Yeah. I'm kind of. What's the selling point? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, it's like when your friend starts dating someone and they're like, oh, they're the most amazing person and they're so great. And you go out to dinner and you're like, him? Yeah. Or her? <laughs> really? What are you seeing in this? You know, you know, it's, it's like that, you know, it's like yeah, all this it? time in research and marketing and like this. Yeah. Is Why my should feeling. I choose this? Yeah. So I will not be applying to be a Daddario artist anytime soon okay, um, because I'm going to be honest that I just, but I also have been trying the Jazz Select um, mm. limited edition marble. Whoa. And I'll talk more about that. But here's the disappointing thing. It's not actual marble. It just all. looks like marble. It's just marbled hard rubber. So oh. I was thinking it's gonna be marble. It's really hurt my teeth. Nope, nope, <laughs> not marble. I'm kidding. But like, so yeah, we'll talk more about this in the coming. There's so much good saxophone yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You could live a hundred lifetimes and never try yeah. all the great mouthpieces. I know, right? Have you seen the on, on social media? There's another one I want to try. I don't know if I'm certainly not gonna buy one. I'll see if they'll send a tester. But then the problem is I don't know what they send a test. All over social media, I'm seeing tons of advertising for Sios. S Y O S. Oh. And it's an acronym that stands for Shape Your Own Sound. And oh. it's a custom to to fit uh, 3D printed saxophone mouthpiece. So, if wow. you, so it's dear listener, if you've tried this Shape Your Own Sound, S-Y-O-S mouthpiece, write us, let us know. Yeah. I'm really curious to see anything about How that. How does it work? How do you do that? Well, yeah. you, put, you put it on your neck and then you... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, they have like, you know, you choose the facing, you choose the chamber, yeah. you choose the baffle. Which then it's it's too many options and it's like yeah. um, when you go to like this. I wouldn't know what to choose. I know it's like Netflix. I, I look, I scroll, oh, and then like I'm going to bed. I can't <laughs> I make know. up my mind. I know, so right. I feel that way. It's when you're in a hotel and there's like five thousand channels, and it's by the many. time you find something yeah, good, an hour's gone. But you gotta go. To yeah, sleep. yeah. I just I've emptied the mini bar. I'm going to bed now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's actually there's market research on that where over choice leads to less yeah. sales. Yeah. So I'm curious, but ah, maybe something as personal as your saxophone tone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these are cool new products. L- let us know fun. what you think. Yeah. And I'm someone, glad that people are innovating. Yeah. And someone send me a Marcus Bona double case because it looks fun. Yeah. And uh, so just <laughs> my birthday's coming up. So just go ahead and send it in leather. Should I, I tell your wife? No. She's <laughs> had it up to her eyeballs. She doesn't want to buy any more stuff. saxophone accessory yeah, yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just did our taxes. She's like, you have a very expensive hobby. <laughs> It's my vocation, Erica. Yeah. So, right. new stuff, yeah. buy it, kids, and let us know. In the studio this week, yeah. a topic I really wanted to talk about. Um, it's come up, I've seen it on forums and boards. People talk to me in conversation all the time. You know, how are you today? I'm doing well. Wally, why does my low end not come out easily? You know, like... Right. Uh, What's ca- with the low notes on the saxophone? Exactly. See someone, how are you today? Good. My low B doesn't speak quickly. It's just, it's the, to- it's the hot topic of conversation. So I had Actually, some, uh, things like that happen to us. Yeah, they really do. In real life, it's yeah, kind yeah. of sad. Well, I'm playing the days and glow on a recital. Oh, I, right? The yeah, yeah. best so I did excerpt. A, I've given this, would you believe, I've given this a lot of thought. No kidding. And come up with really nerdy strategies. Well, I did a, I did a lecture on this at, um, maybe it was Carolina Sachs one day. Or I'd give the master class a couple times. Yeah. I don't like doing the master class where someone plays... And then you correct it. Right. Because I always zone out and they get done playing and like, oh, that was good. Make your dynamics more. <laughs> right. You can and always I, say And I can't do the him key hug like you can. Oh, yeah. So like the court order said, please well, stop. No. Yeah. No more him key hugs. No more. Uh, 
No reaching around no, student no and grabbing hugs, their saxophones. No teal tickles. <laughs> no, no, I don't uh, know. No Cinta snuggles. Yeah. Um, oh, for God's sake. This has gotten dorky. Okay. What were we talking about? Low and response. So I gave a master class on low and response, and I had some really catchy names. Under the C, but like just the letter uh, C, like low C. Um, yeah, Horton Here's a Honk. <laughs> um, and my favorite was Saving Private Days in Clo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I had a whole bunch of things, and then um, the program printed it like incorrectly. So oh. I forgot. They named it like Under the Sea, but spelled C S E A. Oh, no. Which, like, that ruined the joke. <laughs> you know, it doesn't was, make any sense. I was, at I was all. just like, I was like, forget this. Take the check back. I'm leaving. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so. <laughs> A lot of us, we have problems with if the low end comes out, it's a honk. Or yeah. it's usually that kind of like, you know, we have our students or maybe us personally. Maybe you know someone personally, dear listener. Yes. They go to play their B-flat scale starting on B-flat 1, the low B-flat, and it doesn't come out right away. And you right. use the second, third, or maybe you start playing the scale and maybe the C then D kind of come out and the and the B is implied. Um, loan <laughs> or response. you wait a long time until <laughs> it does come out and then you go. Then you go. Then like, by God, I'm going to finish the scale <laughs> now. Uh, Miss uh. notes or not, I'm done. <laughs> right. And the problem being is that our instrument is, um, it's an interesting shape and it it's is. conical. So it's as we conical. go down, the bore gets larger. Um, and which means as we go lower, we need more and more air. And there's a, a bunch of compromises, intonation being a huge compromise in the low end and response. And so a question I get a ton and, and that I've given a couple like lectures on that I've come up with handouts and, and that is how to get the low notes out quickly. And there's a couple of tricks and I want to get your thoughts on this. Absolutely, but I had a, yeah. a guru that I was having a hard time. I forgot the piece. Maybe it was Days and Clow or just trying to start on the low B. And he kind of looked at me and he laughed. This is Michael Hester, my guru. And he said, <laughs> you're trying to hit a moving target. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, here's the thing. As you're getting ready to play, right then you're setting your teeth, setting your embouchure, and starting to put your fingers down as you blow the air. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. And Nobody like, would do that. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> My technique is very good. And so I, I did it again. I realized like, okay, yeah, I'm having things. I'm trying to add my fingers as I'm blowing the air. Yeah. And I'm kind of forming on my embouchure as you know, the, the last little corners. And so what he had me do was before you start the low note or any note really, set everything, remove all moving variables. So it had me finger the low B flat. Set my teeth. Rest is the word in his mm -hmm. excellent book, Saxon Michael's. Rest the teeth on top of the mouthpiece. Set your embouchure. Take a huge breath just through the corners of the mouth. Then just blow. And take out articulation at first. Remove mm -hmm. the variable of articulation and see if you can just do a breath attack on that low B flat. Yeah. And I was amazed to see I had so much extra motion in starting a low note I didn't realize until he pointed it out. That's brilliant. And I would have yeah. I would have fought someone like, you're sitting like, no, no, I'm all ready to go. Yeah. But I wasn't. And so I realized that yeah. thinking fingers teeth, embouchure, breathe, play. Right. And so it's that kind of four-step process. Fingers, teeth, embouchure, breathe, play. Where you move, and it, it makes it a non-moving target. And for that, that fixed a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. um, beyond just embouchure and oral cavity shape. Because you obviously could be too tight or your, your voicing can be wrong right. uh, for that low B foot. But that fixed a lot of problems yeah. uh, for me. You could do that on any note, but especially in the low register. Yes. Wow. And, if, and you know, if you're really playing well, then you're playing the same way, really, in the low register as the rest of the yes. horn. It's yes. just you can get away with a lot of stuff in the rest, the rest of, the of the horn, horn that you can't, can't. get and away that's why with. But when you're playing well in the whole mm -hmm. horn, then the low notes work better. But the air attack thing is great and not slapping everything down, not breathing and go. You right. have to set it. Lundex had us practice what he called these organ tones where you would you know, get the air pressure and get your tongue on the reed. Yes. This did cause a little stress and it's not maybe a perfect exercise, but it's worthwhile giving a try where you just take the 
tongue off. And then it's like you you push the nozzle on an air compressor. Well, air and compressor that's, that's, like, duh, and duh. that's the Do correct articulation. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a valve. Not I used to think, and so many students think of it incorrectly, where the tongue is like starting the noise. It's like ringing smack a bell. the reed, right? Yeah, yeah. as if you're like kick-starting it. And like, come on, stupid play. <laughs> you hit but the you reed really the just take the tongue off the reed, right? right? You're allowing the to vibrate. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's like a damper. Yeah, and um, I like that approach a lot. But it's really informative, the air attack and the low in the low notes, and that's a really easy thing to do as a teacher. So if you right. have a, a student with troubles articulating properly in any note, but especially in the low register, if you just have them try to do some air attacks, mm-hmm. they find out, because at first it doesn't work at all, right? Right. Nothing comes out. They're like, what? <laughs> you know, they get this air, <laughs> and they're amazed at how much air pressure it's not even as much the amount of air as the air, like the pressure. Incredible velocity. How much it takes. it takes to get to get those notes to actually speak. Because right. that's a huge tube of air you're moving by the time you get down to those I low know. notes. And you know, I've used those air attacks on low notes sometimes to help people um, just stop pinching so much on their ambush- with yeah. their embouchures. Because if they're if they're pinching up with their chins, that low note's never coming out in the right octave. I right? know. Yeah. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So that's the removing, removing, moving parts was huge and very eye-opening to me. And I will say, I'm, I'm not lying. I was an v- advanced player. Right. I had played a few concertos at that point and still, and, and it also goes to the point that I don't think you're ever too old for a mentor. Having someone right. that can take a look at your playing and give you some feedback. Amen so I w- to that. I was in my 30s yeah. and I still you know, had a friend and mentor that I would play for. Um, yeah. Removing the, the moving parts is huge. Then when you add the articulation, just like I was saying with that removing the tongue, I find the other big thing, and, and I, I was, I'm sorry, my messenger's dinging. Um, I found that most students and myself, if there was a problem with articulating, it's the tongue wasn't coming away fast enough. Interesting. To yeah. open up the oral cavity where you need incredible uh, yeah. air pressure and then remove the tongue. Because articulation is removing the tongue. Yeah. It's not hitting the reed. It's removing right. the tongue. And viewing it like a hose, where if you want to spray your, your sibling, <laughs> you can't let them know it's coming. You just got to have a lot of back Ooh. pressure, then remove it quickly, get right. all that air out there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another trick that I don't do as much anymore. I'm going to be honest, because I'm going to be really cocky here. I haven't had the need, since I've really readdressed the stability of starting with fingers in a relaxed position, the embouchure, and really working on breathing. But a lot of people use key pops to right. start notes. Yeah. Do, you, do you experiment or do those well, at all? I try not to. I really don't. I don't like it because I don't like that you can hear it and mm-hmm. you can see it. It's a little distracting for me, but it does. It does help. Right. You know, if you're if you have something every once in a while, if I have something that's kind of dangerous, and I'm in the middle of a gig, and I know, oh, here comes that low note that tends not to come out. I might put down that F key a little bit. Right. And you know, I call it my cheat, but it, I try not to go bam. You know, with the right. Keys like you Which hear, is interesting is <laughs> most people do use it. At the beginning of soft passages, yeah, which is funny, but then what do you add at the soft passage? A key thump, <laughs> right? Which is a little counterintuitive. Yeah, but so I try, I try to keep that. To well, a let's minimum, explain it. So, to the yeah. listener that doesn't know what this is, so say you're starting on a low B or B flat, what you can do is lift your F key, and before you start playing, as you add the air, right as you breathe out, you pop the key down right as you start to play, yeah. and it kind of helps force the air out. Yeah, and what's can, the theory? It helps the the column of air get moving or something like you know, that. I don't know. I don't know why it I works. I think I think yeah, it's just a little cheat getting the air but going faster. I'm going to turn off my messenger here. I don't. It know does make keeping. the it does make the low notes come out a little bit easier. So you know, it's it good does, if if you're in the middle of a performance and you're feeling like that low notes and the reeds doing what yeah. the reeds doing, and you know, sometimes it you is do a, these and things. There's no question it works. It, so yeah, 
Yeah, but, but I try not to make that my go-to. That's right. that's like when I'm feeling like, oh, I'm just gonna like cheat a little here. Yeah, and uh, free free um, exercises for listeners. If you go to thesaxophoneacademy.com under the resource section, I do have what I call exercise zero, which is all about starting and going back to that low B flat. Because I think if you right. play low B flat with a beautiful tone, so much else is going to go right. Exactly. And if you can't play low B flat with a low, with beautiful tone you're masking problems in other registers, like yeah. like Sue was talking about. Like you can get away with it in other registers, yeah. but I find constantly going back to low B flat. And that's yeah. going to be the heart of the book that I'm working on and should oh, finish this summer. Yay. The Tone Studies, where it's always that. coming back to low B flat with that oral cavity, that amount of airstream. Yeah, my jazz teacher in Chicago, Joe Daly, said the best way to choose a good mouthpiece was to make sure you sounded good on a low B flat. So that's kind of interesting. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, you know, I've recently switched over my my mouthpiece, my yeah? upper mouthpiece, to a tiny microbrand company called Filled Tone. Oh yeah. I don't like the name because who wants to play on a mouthpiece called Phil? I want something. <laughs> you know, is it P H I L or P H I L? Really? Yeah, because his name is Phil. <laughs> okay. So he goes well. like a Tone. So he makes these little handcrafted mouthpieces. I'll put a wow. link in the show notes. And yeah. I've been playing on their alto. Uh, I I love it. And one of the things it just sings from top to bottom. I don't feel like I'm fighting any register. Yeah. Um, not so much with some other ones I've tried recently, which yeah, I'll talk more about in the coming weeks. Yeah. But yeah, well, I did notice that like, oh, B-flat just speaks beautifully. And these are hand-faced mouthpieces. Yeah. So yeah, if your little B-flat's not coming out clearly and beautifully, regardless of your genre, as oh, a jazz yeah, it player. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, classical jazz, it doesn't matter. Rock, Absolutely. punk, whatever. Yeah. So now I want to get your take on this, because in dealing with the low end, the other big problem is um, because, oh, I'm trying to remember what the great repair dude, Kurt Alterac, calls it. Over and under vented notes or heavily vented notes. Right. So some of those in the saxophones are very well vented. The, the keys around them are open, which means they generally tend to blow higher pitch-wise. Right. And there are under vented notes like your um, low D, for instance, that tend to be flat. Right. And low B and low B flat are because it's at the bell, which is yep. a giant hole, yeah. are very heavily or very well vented, which means they are very sharp on the saxophone. Right. And it's not just your Selmers. It's not your Yamahas. No, it just it's not is acoustical yeah. science. Yeah, it is acoustical <laughs> science. So no matter what saxophone you're playing, the the low B and low B flat are very sharp on the saxophone. Yeah. Um, so much so that bringing them in tune is... It requires some work, some oral <laughs> gymnastics. Yeah. So in the world of jazz, I don't worry about it because honestly, we just don't play notes down there without a subtone that much. Right. Um, I mean, there are some that go down there, but it's just it's not that huge of a deal. In the classical world, there's a lot of times we have to play that softly and in tune. Yeah. So there is a solution, and I imagine you're going to push back a little bit on this. <laughs> the saxophone mute. And yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's and I ooh, I want to reach out. I saw a guy that's making custom little mini ones. Oh, really? I saw recently. I think they sell them on Mer- Meridian Winds. Okay. Um, I saw a picture of a guy with his little mutes, and that's cool. You can make them yourself. But the saxophone mute. Let's get the first thing out of the way. It does not make the saxophone more quiet. Oh it's, no, mute it, is almost the wrong term. It's yeah, a it's terrible the, term. Yeah. Um, and I think it was Larry Teal first wrote about it in the art of the saxophone or art of saxophone playing. Uh, or is it the art of saxophone? I don't remember what it's called. Anyway, where he actually shows you how to make one, and I think yeah. he does call it the saxophone mute. It is not a mute, and 90% of the instrument, it will not change the decibel level of the saxophone right. at all. Right. 90% of the instrument, it won't change the tone color at all. No. And you can do this for yourself. You can finger a low, a middle B, middle B, middle C, play it. Then fill your bell with concrete. 
put a tennis ball in and, it. And you will notice very little change yeah. because that's not where the, because it's, it's vintage. Yeah, it's a misconception. You it look is. at the saxophone, you think all of yeah. the sound is coming out of the yeah. bell. It's not. It's, it's coming not out of all those at holes. all, which is why whenever I work with recording engineers. I was just going to say that you oh, work with recording engineers. Now, the good ones know, but yeah. a lot of times they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to put the, it. Yeah. And they face it right down into the bell. and like It's not horrible. Well, if it goes down in the bell, no, it's, it's kind it's, of horrible. But it, when sometimes they'll like get real close to the bell and it's terrible. not the end of the world because at least it's like at the middle of the alto sax. But right. when you're playing a soprano and they put the mic down at the bell, it's like, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad idea. It's just not going to work. You well, got to get it up near the middle yeah. of the horn. Yeah. No, the good recording engineers know. To, to, they know. They yeah. aim it right around middle C. Yeah, uh, the, exactly. That middle of the left hand is a yeah. great place to aim the saxophone. Perfect, yeah. Um, yeah, but this the, the saxophone mute, or I just call it the ring of acoustic correction. There you go. Uh, Wally's ring of acoustic correction. <laughs> yeah, you got to throw fancy. it into Mordor. It's a <laughs> right. very powerful ring. Uh, hobbits will steal it. Um, My precious. What it does is... <laughs> You need to rewatch those movies. I miss it. Oh, they're yeah, so yeah. great. So it's um, most people I know these days are making it out of pipe cleaner. Make a ring of pipe cleaner, ah. cover it with something soft. I cut up an old T-shirt and then I cover it with beautiful soft felt ribbon. So it's beautiful. Lovely. And then I yeah. super glue it on the end because I don't know how to sew. <laughs> <laughs> and I do. And then fair it, enough. Yeah, yeah. And it smells good when you do it, and then you see happy colors when you're when you're cleaning it. And what this does is it lowers 10 to 20 cents, depending on how far you in, how big you make your mute, low B and low B flat. And right. it changes virtually nothing else of the instrument. Yeah. But it does dampen the color of those notes a little bit. Yeah. Which well, I'm playing classical. I honestly don't mind. That's not necessarily a bad right. thing. <laughs> and it cr- increases the resistance a little bit. Right. So for me, for classical playing, I love it. I yeah. use it. I, yeah. I, I make them in different colors. Um, sometimes I'll use sparkly ribbon. That'll go, oh, I'll go to Michael's. fancy. And I'll just find all the fun ribbons Maybe I, I should get. get you to make me a pretty one. I will. I have. Um, Shin, How about Duke Blue? Our friend Shen Gao, who teaches at Truman University now, he yeah. had a sparkly blue one because oh. he was at the clinic where I did where, yeah. I, where I did this, and uh, I gave him the sparkly one. Aww. I think he actually played with it once. Cool. Um, before he finally found his dignity back and started yeah, using right? the color one. But yeah, and it, it brings it in tune. Yeah. It does alter the color a little bit, and it feels a little like cheating, but I'm a big fan. How do you feel about the mute? Well, you know, none of my teachers ever were, you know, instructing us to do that. So it wasn't something that was, you know, told to me to do. Right. And I've seen people doing it. And I asked them why they're doing it. I just think it, you know, looks a little dumb to me. But What? <laughs> You've never I seen the Wally pre- Ring of Acoustic Correction. I, I know. Yeah, so I'm intrigued now. So, you know, and of course, you know, I prefer the pain and suffering of having to lip down those <laughs> stupid low notes. I don't know. I've had to I do it, I should kids. try one sometime yeah. and not just condemn the thing. But, right. But, I mean, somebody who shall not be named <laughs> said to me once, well, your low B is really sharp there. Why don't you get a donut in there, you know, or whatever? And I said, I don't like those stupid donut things because I was mad that Aww. he was criticizing my low B. <laughs> and then I worked really hard to get that low B lower without the without donut. The, here's the thing. You, you <laughs> but, absolutely but can. It, it would be a yeah. thing to stop being so prideful and actually try the darn thing. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. No, pride, pride, oh, so pride, funny. pride starts wars. Let's uh, yeah, not, well, let's not know. go there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's true. You can lower those notes in tune using embouchure adjustment. I find I almost cannot voice enough to bring them down. Yeah, flat. it's really hard. It, and really I go back need, and yeah. listen to old recordings, and I'm just sharp on those notes, and I'm like, well, here's my thing. <laughs> you absolutely, and I hear that argument like, oh, I use yeah. it. At a, well, why? I can, I can fix it. I can do it. <laughs> I can voice it down. 
I was like, I can too. Right. <laughs> but here's the thing. I can also walk across the room and change the channel by pressing a button on the side of my television. But if Wait, I, your TV has a button on it? I assume. I don't know. No, ours doesn't. You, If you lose the remote, the remote you're just you, hosed. Yes, you can't turn it even on or off or change yeah. it. No, I don't think it's true, Wally. Well, so you, use a different example. You better hope the Property Brothers was on, on loop. I yeah. know, right? Because they are dreamy. Yeah. And it's a great show and it just feels, makes me happy. So You know, I watched way too much HDTV last weekend because I was in New York and I was in a hotel and yeah. I had a couple of, and I just get so sucked into that stuff. That's what I, I do. I love watching yeah, yeah, yeah. these people like, I don't know, take the sledgehammer and break out walls. There's something yeah. really cathartic about no, I love watching eating that. a $12 bag of M&M's out of the, <laughs> and watching people wreck their own homes. Yeah. You mean the little tiny bag of M&M's yeah. that you get from the mini bar? They're $12, right? yeah. 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 You Watch don't, HGTV. You don't mean like the Walmart one no, no, that's no. actually a gallon. <laughs> uh, no. Never mind. Okay, okay, but we digress. Yeah, yeah. My fault. Yeah. <laughs> This time, for once, it's your fault that we uh, digress. It's been a really but, long. So my feeling week is, yes, <laughs> I can walk across the room and change the channel on the television. I'm physically capable. I don't want to. Right. My feeling is, I can voice down low B and low B flat. But if I have a small ring of acoustic correction, and I can and I can do it, why not? Is my feeling. All right, are you gonna are you gonna loan me one or make me one? And I'll make and, you one. And I'll try. You okay. name the color. I will go to the okay. arts and crafts store. All right, blue. I'll get super blue. Blue is my favorite color. Blue. Now right. everybody in the world knows that blue is my favorite color. Okay. Because so, everybody in the world is listening to this. So when right? you, I believe so. Well, actually, we have listeners in over twenty nations. Stop it. No, 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 I'm kidding. Wow, We've got that is four, awesome. five um, Hi, everybody. listeners in South America. We've got three African nations listening. Lots of Southeast Asia. Shout out to, to Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Thailand. Uh, Philippines, um, we've got Russian listeners, and all across Europe. Wow, I'll have to get um, my friends in Chengdu listening when I go there next week. Yeah, we have listeners, and and seriously, we haven't said it, but thank you. Like, yeah. on the bottom of my heart, thank you. This really means a lot that, that you get something out of this, or there's cool. so little else going into there. <laughs> and we have listeners in every Canadian province, well, the, the inhabited ones. There's those ones up north, which I don't think you can live in, except New Brunswick. Which is apparently a New Brunswick? No saxophone players. Is that a, is that a there? Canadian province? I think so. Write us and let us know. No, that sounds nerdy. <laughs> I don't think we have any. No, we did because that's how I know what New Brunswick is. Okay. On the on our podcast uh, server Shout map. Shout out to New, New Brunswick, Brunswick and Prince Edward Island, and uh, we do very well in uh, British Columbia. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. They have good taste. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so I will, I will, um, put a link to these new mutes, which are very affordable and very durable. They look like a cool little rubber thing and I'll make you one soon. Okay. I mean, if it works, why not? Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I've just make fun been of, resisting. Now, my, my husband will make fun of me because he's a saxophone player. Is that who says something about your low B? Is that the, your impression? <laughs> no, oh. it wasn't. It wasn't Mark. It was somebody else. I'm not going to say. Okay. Tell me later. <laughs> I'll tell you later. What I, what I pretend to turn off the microphone. Oh, I see yeah, how yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> so low end. Remove the yes. moving targets. Well, and practice it. Yeah. And it'll Aww. be better for the rest of your instrument, too. Yeah. Hey, do you want to know about this thingy? What is that thingy? This thingy is the Van Dorn Etude and Exercise Book for Saxophone, put out years ago. I t- think I told you a little story yeah, about did. this book yeah. once. Yeah, that Van Dorn was trying to, they had put out a jazz book. And then they reached out to a bunch of their classical artists and said, oh, we're going to put out an Etude book. So, you know, send us your stuff. And yeah. so nobody replied. And they sent another message that was slightly edgier that was like, okay, you guys, come on. You must have something. And I thought, well, I don't write etudes. I don't do anything like that. And then I thought, well, 
I have some exercises that I do for low register that I could share oh, with yeah. them. And so I shared, I Is wrote, this in I print? Said, yeah, I wrote back to them and I said, well, can I, can I just share some like exercise ideas I have for working on low register? And they're like, yes, sure. And so I did that. And it's mostly just talking about how you go about practicing down in that range. Okay. So like where working can they, on initial attacks. It's published in the by Carl register. Fisher. Yeah. I'll put a link like, in the show notes. It was 10 or 12 years ago, that photo, so that I look a little younger in that one. <laughs> well, are you aging? I've decided to, to well, stop. Well, I'm not anymore. No, yeah. I'm done with I that. I told aging I'm no longer participating. So Okay, good. Yeah, it's working anyway, out if anybody great. wants to take a look at that book, it's also got some interesting stuff by James Bunty and Claude DeLong and yeah, Paul so Rowe and a bunch of other In the show friends. notes, it's published by Carl Fisher. It's called The Vendoran Etude and Exercise Book for Saxophone. That's interesting. The Secrets of Ten Master Saxophonists. I know. And who is among the ten? Me. Our host, Dr. I know. Susan Fancher, which is very exciting. I'll put a link in the show notes. I blushed when I got the book the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I sent a picture of it to my mom when I got it. Oh, <laughs> So there you go. Two great resources. One free on our website, which is not going to be as thorough, but also check out this book. And Otis Murphy. I went to school Otis with Murphy. Otis a million years ago. Otis is awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool yeah. guy. Yeah, he is. Um, he used to match his pencils with his shirt. So he'd have he like did? A, a purple, you know those mechanical pencils? Yeah, I do. He would match the color with, wow. yeah. He's wow. a very precise gentleman. I yeah. see. What are we talking about recordings this week? So we are, are, mm. we've kind of been in the discussion of Desert Island recordings. What are those saxophone recordings you got to have? And we started oh, with classical. Oh, yeah, totally. And my Desert Island recording for classical uh, was your recording. Um... Ponder nothing, Ponder nothing, which has that amazing run of the Steve Reich, which I love so yeah. much. And guess what? This weekend I played Ponder Nothing by Ben Johnston at that concert in New York. Yeah. It's all coming full yeah, circle. I tell you, that's how that it is. That is exciting. So and you, this week I chose one. A, a, yeah, a jazz album. I know, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, all through college and probably even earlier, I was a huge fan of Phil Woods. Mm-hmm. And of course... Um, I guess I'm probably a little older than you, but do you remember that Billy Joel song, Just the Way You Are? And it's got that awesome alto sax solo in it, and that's Phil Woods. Oh, yeah. It is. Billy Joel. Sometimes I like to put on a pair of extra pleated khakis. (laughs) Stop Read a good uh, Tom Clancy novel, kick back in my faux leather chair, and... Listen to something. <laughs> Billy going Joel. Flashback. Yeah. Anyway, so at some point, I think it was when I was in college, I was introduced to the Phil Woods Six album live from the showboat. From the showboat. From the showboat. And this is an incredible, incredible album. Record, yes. And and it's a two CD set here. Mm-hmm. And I actually own, yes, I have the CD because I'm old. I actually had the LP at some point. <laughs> and it was two LPs. It was, yeah. exactly. And so here is the, the double CD set. I don't know if you can still get it or not, but you can listen to this. Actually, I hope it's illegal, on YouTube. Well, if we put a link, that's not our, no, YouTube, like, yeah. I'm yeah. sure, like, whatever, <laughs> who, what was the label? Like, what's the... What was the label originally? I, don't I should know. know this. It's probably uh, defunct. And it's so, small here. Are your eyes better than mine? I can't see it. Doubtful. <laughs> but it's probably not clear who would sue you. But it was originally released on vinyl, of course, in RCA. 1977. Yeah. So, you know, and but it's a double CD set recorded live um, in November 1976. I read this in the liner notes, because I could actually, with a magnifying glass, almost read them, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yeah. Anyway, so I've been a fan of Phil Woods, like, I feel like my whole life, because I just love 
his kind of bluesy style. I always have admired the fact that he plays lyrically. Yep. And that's always been important to me. I, I don't have anything against the super fast fingers that... And oh, and he's got them. He's got... He's yeah. got them. Oh, he can rip off a lick like anybody's business. But yeah. but I love that That really it's not the technique that's the focus. It's the, the lyricism and the blues and the technique supports that as sometimes, you know, especially younger jazz artists, they're all yeah. about how many, how fast can I get, how many licks can I get if in? If I learn and, these yeah. patterns, yeah. I got to play them. Yeah. So I just think this is, yeah, if I'm on a desert island and I have to choose music, that's one of the this ones. This would be one of your jazz I ones. I have to have it. Yeah, I have to have it. Live Absolutely. from the show. But, and this is such a, um, and the younger listeners, you may not be as familiar because this is not on any streaming platform. Right. It's not on Spotify. You can't buy it on iTunes or Apple Music. Right. Uh, it's not on any streaming platform. So you can buy this some kind of import CD company. Who knows? Yeah. It's legal. This is some kind of Japanese import. Here. Right, right, right. So you can buy this on a CD. And that stands for compact disc for our younger yeah. listeners. And what that was was digital information on a round <laughs> disc read optically by lasers. And if that's outdated technology, I don't want to live in this world anymore. I know. Um, but no, I, you, you, you can, can buy it as a CD. You can still buy an exterior drive, you right? You can. And hook it into your here's one, USB. Here's what I'm going to recommend. <laughs> Because everything that is old is now cool again. Yeah. Because you know this whole move, like uh, get off your smartphones, um, use less technology, and and kind of like de de digitalize our lives. So I've started collecting vinyl again. Oh yeah. And here's the thing: we never got rid of ours, so well, this, we're we're cool now because we've got a collection. Yeah, I was at the age. Um, being a day or two older or younger than you, yeah. where like vinyl was just on its way out when I started getting yeah. big into music. Yeah. Uh, so I had a ton of cassettes, which is great because they all melted in my 1985 Subaru. Right. Um, oh, you know, the the, he, we lost so ugh. much music that was on cassettes. Yeah. It was horrible, oh, horrible medium, horrible yeah. format. Yeah, it just didn't um, hold up. Which punk yeah. bands are now pressing cassette tapes to be kitschy. Which well, I just, okay. They just not for the longevity. Li- yeah. They just, didn't live yeah. through the, the time of if it melting on your dashboard. Right. Um, <laughs> but you can buy, you can still find these all over eBay and, um, and some yeah. of the, the vinyl trading sites. I'd recommend investing 150 bucks in a good turntable, not a Crosley. Yeah. Uh, you can get uh, an iOrbit U-turn turntable, which is going to be actually a good counterweighted, excellent turntable. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, for, for 150 I think around there. Wow, that's And that's going to come with a pretty decent stylus. That's the little needle kids. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it, it is such a pleasure <laughs> listening to, especially I love the way the saxophone sounds on vinyl. Um, you know, and there's the, the nerds will say, well, it's artifact distortion that you think is warmth. And like, I don't care. It sounds good. Um, <laughs> it sounds great. And so I really enjoyed, especially because in, in, in thrift shops and some of these record stores, unless you're looking for Miles Davis or John Coltrane, don't. You, the vintage records of those are unbelievably expensive. But yeah. you can find like Phil Woods, uh, Lee Konitz, Lou Donaldson. You can oh, find yeah. great jazz players, except the big monumental names that everybody wants yeah. for dirt cheap. Well, go buy the Phil Woods album yeah. now before everybody gets them. So go yeah. get them before they and go you can get, and, I, and I looked on eBay before we recorded, and there was a bunch of mint, near mint, and very good, or very VG++, which is the rating, which means it's going to sound great. Of this? Yeah. <gasps> There's tons of good vinyl recordings. Awesome. I might go over. replace my um, vinyl. And this was such a quintessential recording. There's a, a company that made a, um, a mouthpiece. Now, the mouthpiece company is called 10M Fan. Okay. I don't know this person. It might be the worst branding marketing decision I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I don't know the person. I'm, I, I bet they're awesome. But anyway, they, they made an, an alto mouthpiece and named it the Showboat. No way. Which, yeah. Which that I is have cool. to imagine is made, you know, inspired by this amazing yeah. recording. And I love Phil Woods too. Oh, yeah. So so Phil Woods, as I, I believe, he played on a Meyer. 
Mm-hmm. Meyer five, maybe. Oh yeah, maybe no. People have tried to number. do like. So you know. I played on a Meyer five in college because Phil Woods played on yeah. a Meyer five. How could I not play on a Meyer five? And at some point, I don't know. The brass section is just so loud, or something like that. I moved to a Meyer six, which I still have and still like yeah. to play on. I have a Van Dorn jazz mouthpiece too, but. Don't tell them, but Meyer is still my, that's still my go-to, my Meyer They're I charming. Just, I wanted yeah. to sound like Phil Woods because I thought, well, you could do a lot worse than sound like Phil Woods. Yeah. Wow. Which is why there's a million boutique mouthpiece makers that are trying to recapture the New York model Meyer like Phil Woods had. Yeah. Um, yeah, and mine's not as old as the one he had. So it's, people yeah. tell me it's not as good as the one of he course. played on. Of course, they yeah. tell me that. No, there, there are people to, that would try to like, you know, do genetic yeah, testing on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> But I try to sound like him anyway. Oh, he's amazing. And here's the thing that was really cool when I went back to listen to this album. So I was always an alto player through college, like most of us. But, you know, now in my life, I spend probably at least 50% of my time on the soprano. Well, his soprano sound Mm -hmm. is incredible. And he plays soprano sax on several tracks. And it's so cool to listen to a great soprano sound. And, you know, those instruments back in the 70s, I don't know what kind of horn he was playing on. Was he playing on one of those Mark VI sopranos that had the tiny little spatula things? And they're filled with asbestos. Tried to be palm keys. But he sounds like a million bucks. So, yeah, just for listening to that soprano sound is reason enough to buy the I definitely definitely buy the CDs or uh, if you can, find the vinyl. Yeah. And go ahead and invest in the vinyl, even before you get the turntable. Because nothing else, you get the you get the liner notes and you get the cool, yeah, album art. Which is yeah. what is he coming out of there in that picture? <laughs> I, no, I don't I fully understand. I the, didn't really the look at cover. it that closely. I've never understood the album cover. If I'm honest, All right? Um, <laughs> it's like he's coming out of some weird like space bubble. It's kind of weird. I didn't like really look dark that. Mork and Mindy kind of situation. I don't know. But go All buy right, this Wally. great record, kids. Now we're totally geeking out here. I know. I always, to me, he always sounded like um, Charlie Parker and Cannibal Adderley had a grumpy baby. That's <laughs> uh, how I always think of Phil Woods. What? You know, he was not one of the most innovative players. He could bebop in its most yeah. kind of like pure form and just kept yeah. going with it, which is why I think among like the critics and stuff, he wasn't yeah, always I know. as yeah. revered. But yeah. in the downbeat reader polls, he yeah. won year after year after year after yeah. year after year. Um, yeah. So yeah. go. I'll put a link in the show notes. Now, the other thing we want to talk about quickly in the studio is, is yes. a pro tip. Uh, oh, no, the working pro section. Working pro. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> is in building, and one of the most common questions I get from my career development students is, how do I go about building my private studio? How do I start getting students? Right. And as we know, there's no better way than going to give master classes in the public schools. Yes. And not the nerdy kind of um, academic ones where you go to college and they play and you say... No, no, you yeah. have to go to schools, middle schools yeah. and high and, schools. And you yeah. present on a topic. You show them how to do X, Y, Z. You show them how to have better technique. Yes. Or, and so, and I've done this myself, and I'm sure you've done it in a million yeah. as well, where you present on a topic, how to have better tone, how to work on your scales or whatever. Right. And if you do well, then hopefully you press on only the students, but more importantly, the band director. Yes. And because remember, they're the ones recommending students to the teachers because the kids yes. will go home and like, oh, I met this cool saxophone player. And the parents will say, oh, what was their name? I don't remember. Right, exactly. They give you a business card. <laughs> I throw it away. Yeah, yeah it's the band director. It. Yeah. So, and so I want to talk about what makes a great masterclass on that. I had a couple of ideas because I used to get when I did it poorly. What I would do is I would go into a school. I'd want to present on a topic, and you have six or eight or ten saxophones in a room, and you would have them. Dim, you'd play, and they want to play. They're so eager to play, and I have yeah. them play. And one of them would have an embouchure from like a horror movie. Right. Just an embouchure that should not be. Right. And I would like, so of course, being decent humans, we try to fix it. Yeah. And so like, no, teeth that up. Okay, this. And I would spend way yeah. too much time trying to trying to change something non-exciting 
with and one with, person with one, while the other ones student. are sitting there. So one of the yeah. biggest mistakes yeah. I would make is because when you're recruiting for your private studio, when you want to get a, st- a studio, you have to wow them. Yeah. You need a little razzle dazzle, a little sizzle, if you will. <laughs> you have to wow them as a, as a player and yeah. get them excited. Because if yeah. you think like, oh great, I'm going to pay this person fifty, sixty, seventy dollars an hour to right. fix my embouchure, right. which yeah. is incredibly boring to them, even though yeah. it may be necessary. So one of the first big tips I could think of was don't try to fix it. So, oh yeah, maybe we should try putting our teeth on top and bleeding less. <laughs> Mention it, do your best, and then move on. Yeah, I, don't obsess was, over it. When yeah. I was younger, I would fix it and wanted to fix them completely before I moved on. Then the 50 minutes would be over, yeah. the kids are bored, and that was a big dud. Yeah, it's just a longer term project than, yeah. than one hour. So like, yeah. make a suggestion and then you have to like ignore it and pretend that horrible thing yeah. mocking you in the corner isn't right. there. <laughs> so th- that was uh, tip number one that I thought of. Number two is when you go present, there are incredible things like we all need to think of like breath support, embouchure. Yeah. But don't present that to the the high school, middle school kids. It's a little boring. It's a little boring. Yeah. So think of something that's going to be, if your goal is to recruit for your private studio, find something you can blow them away with good technique or yeah. altissimo or something like that. Well, not the middle schoolers probably. But <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. Find a topic. <laughs> and then the other thing I, I was going to, and I want to get your take on what you do to, to really wow and zow them, okay. is have a handout with good branding that has your name, your logo, whatever your private teaching studio is. And here's the most important part. You will give them the handout. And if it has an exercising they love, they will stick it in these beat up folders they have. And it will sit there forever. That's a really good idea. And they'll remember you. So I would maybe have an excerpt from a popular tune dealing with the thing or this really cool, fun exercise. I go like deadly exercise number five. And the kids, (laughs) like especially these dorky high school kids, like, oh, neat. And then they will hang out of the sheet of paper and it will live in their little music folder for the, you know, yeah. be by the horrible music they play in these bands. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's the most important thing is then give that handout and your card to the band director. Absolutely. Because that's yeah. the one that's going to get the phone calls. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many, I'm sure you've had this, where you go and give a masterclass, you give them materials, business cards, handouts, and you walk away. And by the time you get to the door, you see all 15 of them in the trash can or right. on the floor or like, you <laughs> totally. know, like in the hallway. And you're like, how have They're you like, lost this already? <laughs> so then, you know, the parents like, oh, we want lessons. So yeah. it's always good. The call's always going to come back to the band director. Yeah. So it's important that they get information. How do you go? What do you what do you think about when you, when you think about wowing? And yeah, I think, well, it's always great to play for them. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know. If you have a piece in mind that will impress them, that's mm-hmm. good. I usually take something kind of short and easy um, because, yeah, you don't have a piano, so it has to be right. a solo piece. So I have this little um, blues piece that Mikael Roberry, who was a Swedish trombonist, wrote. It's just a little blues solo, but he wrote it for soprano sax. You can play it on any sax. It yeah. doesn't matter. But it's it's nice because it's just kind of bluesy and it's sort of easy and fun. Gives you a chance to show really good uh, tone, but also play in kind of a jazz yeah. style, which is attractive to the kids. And then I usually play the Boza Improvisation and Caprice, oh, yeah. which is not an awesome piece of music, but it's impressive. And you've got that, that first movement, which is very lyrical. And then the second one, which is basically Flight of the Bumble be right yeah, non-trademark flood of the bumblebee and i always say okay so in the in the caprice or improvisation yeah the or in the fast thing yeah. um what scale is is very prominent so listen for that so i have them listen for that because there's tons of chromatic scales yeah. in it you know and so that's that's to, so they'll be like wow this person can really play but i like to do the kind of jazzy thing too so they, yeah. don't, they don't think well but i really want to study jazz so i can't study with her because yeah. they could i mean they totally could. So that's what I do for playing and usually talk about how to practice 
and give them a couple of ideas for warm-ups. And I like to get them to play, and usually you can get them just to sound better because they're listening to you and you're playing right. with them. And that may be, for some of these kids, it may be the first really good saxophonist they've heard play in Possibly, the Possibly, yeah, because yeah. their band director might not really be a saxophonist. Yeah. And I try to always take something that we could play together. Now, it's not always easy to find something easy enough. Right. But, you know, something where it's, you know, two altos and tenor and berry, those kind right. of quartets, and try to play with them. And I think that, you know, a lot of times... It's like we say, a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. Sometimes some just listening to somebody else's tone is worth a thousand words. You know, sound like this, sound like this. I don't know. Just just sound more like this. I don't like my students to all copy me. I don't want them to all sound like me. But I always say, but it's probably not a terrible place to start. Yeah. (laughs) My students just say like, Johnny, you just heard yourself. And you've heard me. What are you doing? Right. Come on. I'm right here. The goal exactly. is right next to you. There you Johnny. go. Yeah. No, I like playing for them, but also like like you said, have them yeah. play because I will find and if I think back long enough to back the dark ages, I always I hated holding my instrument and not playing it. And the kids yeah. Yeah. You just, they want to play too. They want to play. Especially the younger kids. Yeah. So I, you got to let them play if you can, if it's a situation. I mean, if you're just working with the saxophones, definitely have them play. Yeah. I mean, if you're working with the whole band, sometimes you're just doing a a total presentation Mm -hmm. for the band. And sometimes the band directors like that, right? They're like, oh, if you could come in and play for my whole band and talk about more general concepts that would be good for the whole band. They sometimes like that. Oh, I love that because then I could uh, could catch up on email while someone was yapping (laughs) at my band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm happy to do that. But if I can get with the saxophone right. one-on-one of course it's nice if the band director sees you working with the kids yeah. right because then if you do a good job they're impressed that's why i talk too. very loudly and when i make <laughs> corrections i scream it so the band director can hear oh wally really knows what was going wrong yeah, that's a pro exactly. tip for your kids no but yeah. also seriously the other thing i would find is as a band director sometimes they want you to come in you may have a topic or an idea they may just say oh we have festival coming up would you please help my section oh yeah work and in then, our yep and then set do your ego aside. Yes. Do that because if the band do, director loves you, yes. you'll get lessons. Yeah. And then you'll have yeah. you'll build a relationship because and be respectful of you know if they're building up to a concert, they may not want you to come in because they're right. just too busy. But like after a concert, they right. might want a day off from normal band, and they'd be happy to have a guest. And that's come a great in. time. Be yeah. persistent. I will find. Yeah. I have had students like I'm trying to get students, and I emailed the, all the band directors, and they haven't responded. Like, oh, well, how, you well, how many emails me. did you send? They're like one. Yeah, and think about how many emails that band oh. director gets every day from parents and students and you're just somebody they don't even know yeah. come on the, I found the phone. having been a, a former public school band director I found there's this weird thing that once you get your contract suddenly all teachers are unable to tell the difference between when it is appropriate to hit reply and reply all on oh. email and there was yeah. something like you know the chili cook-off was 84 emails because oh, you can't just thank Janice for right. recommending the idea. You got to thank Bill for bringing the outlet cords, yeah. and then you got to thank uh, Eddie for judging the chili cook-off. And then you have to thank oh, the yeah. people that thank the people. And like public school email inboxes are terrible. I just can't even imagine. I know what it's like with just you know a handful of students at this yeah. place and a handful of it's students at that place. That, yeah, and the parents oh, and like man. yeah, yeah. Why isn't Johnny first chair? Like, well, that's not really an email question. But yeah, you get tons of that. So you have yeah. to be to build your studio. You have to be persistent. They're yeah. very busy, hardworking, underpaid, awesome yeah. people. So yeah. be persistent and polite. Absolutely. And, then, and polite because they yeah. are really overworked. Yeah. But yeah. when you finally have one over the band directors, then I, have you found this where a majority yeah. majority of your students come from a handful of schools? Yes. Like absolutely. once the band directors love you, they keep sending their students. Yep. And and you're, the students do well and then they want the next students uh-huh. who come into ninth grade, they want them to, yeah. to get lessons. It's all about the relationship yeah. with the band directors. Yeah. Yeah. You might consider going to a concert. 
I used to. And and yeah. go yeah, and go up to the band director afterwards and introduce yourself. And, absolutely. And, and then, say, hey, I'd love to be in touch with you. Yeah, Can and, I email and give a compliment you? and they're like, I noticed your saxophones are very out of tune. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would go occasionally, um, and if you want to recruit more, I would go um, to my students' band concerts occasionally. Yeah. And um, and then go and if you ever want to feel like a rock star, go to their concert and then afterwards I remember having to take pictures with the kid, yeah. pictures with the kids with Aunt Jenny, pictures yeah. with the kid and their band director. Yeah. And like they were so touched that you know yeah. their teacher was there. So Yeah, it means a lot to them. Yeah, yeah if you go and you want to yeah. It's incredibly you, fulfilling yeah. and it's also great recruitment. I don't mean to be like Absolutely. sketchy about it, but it's just true. It so. is true. And but it you know, it does take your time. So it does. you know, you have to invest your time. Yeah. And until you have a wait that. list, so these are this is what you this do. This is That's what the you profession. do. And it, it's a bummer because you know you're not paid for that time. Yeah. But you have to do that if you want more students. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. that's the tip that's from the working pro. There you go. <laughs> I have a question. Mailbag this week. I haven't bothered looking at my inbox. I don't I don't care. I, I haven't answered an email this week. I'm way behind in the end of the semester. But I have a question for the listeners and you. It's a rhetorical, so it won't okay. be answered right now. Summer's coming up. Summer. So which means a lot of us, academias, those enrolled in schools, and yeah. just general vibe of summer is things slow down and we can do things differently. We can work on things we don't normally. Yeah. We can maybe come up with a group challenge or project as a community because we have listeners idea. in over 20 nations. So I want to know, email me, wally at gatecitysax.com or hit us either of us up on social media and let us know what do you want to fix, work on, or accomplish this summer? That's a great and how idea. how can we help you? Because I'd like to maybe come up with like a summer challenge or a summer project. Yeah. So we don't end up three months from now in the hammock with a sarsaparilla yeah. and realize like, oh God, it didn't get better. It is so hard to stay on task yeah. over the summer. Wow, it's so easy then to just... we can help yeah, with that, Sue. we can do that. So okay. we can be your taskmasters, come up with <laughs> weekly challenges. But let us know. Go. Write us and let us know yeah. what do you want to accomplish this summer with your saxophone playing. Great and, idea. And let us know. And yeah. we will talk about it next time we see you. And yeah. Sue, yeah, have a Wally. super safe flight. Thank you. And have a great time in China. I'll see you when I get back. You Bye. take care. You too. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.